I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD Like it, man. You have got to be proud of the way the New York Knicks are playing. Oh, shit. What is going on, everybody? Episode 200 of the podcast. We are 200 episodes in. Wow. Um, You know, I remember when I first started this podcast, and might go on a little bit of a, of a you know run here, but hey, we're 200 in. I remember when I first started this podcast, or, or when I wanted to. You know, I was, um, so going all the way back, maybe what, to 2017, February of 2017, it was February 2017 where I first started a blog, right? Before I even thought about a podcast, I was thinking about a blog. Everybody's been bugging me about it, you know, for, for years prior to 2017, you know, Rob, you know, you got to write a blog, you know, so much on, on sports, you talk so much about the Yankees. You know so much about the, the Knicks. You should write a blog. Get your opinion out there. Never really wanted to. Never really uh, felt interested. Um, and then my buddy, one of my good friends, um, happens to be my neighbor. He told me this too. And so it's one thing to hear this from family, right? You just think they're kind of, you know, puffing you up a bit. But to hear it from, you know, one of your, you know, buddies who, you know, they're not afraid to tell you how it is, but to hear them compliment you, you really, you take that as a positive. I liked what I heard. You know, I was like, oh man, maybe I really should. You know, if I'm not just getting, you know, compliments from my family just for the sake of being nice, maybe, you know what, maybe I should. So I started the blog. I started that blog in 2017 and I've had that since, but it was not until... July of 2019, July of 2019, where I first started a podcast. So I waited just over two years. You know, I was kind of uh, scared of, of, you know, getting my voice out there on the internet. I hate my own voice. I hate the sound of it. And I'm sure many other had that problem. But I did. I finally started a podcast on the Yankees. Originally, it was just Yankees. That's why we're called BD4. Uh, BD4 stands for the three subways you can take to the stadium. And um, so we did Yankees in, in starting in July of 2019. And we covered you know every series. And we've been doing that since. But we also now do the Knicks. And we've done the Knicks the same amount um, since we've done the Yankees. And so, you know, I was about 54 episodes in and then I decided, you know what, let's bring my podcast to YouTube. Let's fucking do a, a video cast, right? Let's, let's put some video in here for people who actually want to hear me talk because sometimes, you know, it's easier to, you know, understand something when there's visual, you know, I'm a visual learner, so I like visuals and, you know, so maybe I, I was deciding maybe I should do a video podcast, right? So I brought it to YouTube and um, I asked for a a camera, a webcam, 
for Christmas in 2019. And um, that was it. You know, it was December of 2019. Months later, after I started my podcast, 55 episodes in, the 55th episode was on YouTube. And so here we've been on YouTube ever since. And so here we are now, episode 200 of the entire podcast. And I'm just proud to have doing this. I'm proud to be where I am. Uh, I understand it's not a big podcast. It's not big by any means. I have nobody who tunes into these, nobody who even follows along. I have like a, a handful of subscribers still, and I'm, you know, already <laughs> a decent amount of um, episodes in, but that's fine. You know, I don't mind. You know, I don't care if my content isn't that crazy to you. I don't care if I'm not big. I don't care if I'm not even small. I'm smaller than small. That's fine with me. I do this because I enjoy it. Anything else is a bonus to me. You know, it's also a good practice for what I want to do in the future. So episode 200, let's not waste any more time, guys. I'm sorry I already did. Um, but the Knicks are playing well right now. And they start the season off 0-2. You're thinking, oh boy, here we go. But they get hot, you know. Um, they win three out of their next four, right? Owen two, two, yeah, three of their next four. Now they're three and three. You know, having a good road trip. That will wrap up on Monday against the Atlanta Hawks. Um, and um, hey, they're playing good basketball. Um, so we're going to recap. The last couple of nights, we're going to recap game six after we recap game five, which obviously was a, you know, pitiful loss, but um, we're not going to touch on that too much. We really, I'm sure everybody listening, again, whoever is, um, I'm sure you guys want to hear about the, the, the game tonight, right? The game on Saturday night, Knicks Pacers, where they take a very thrilling victory, um, coming through late, so... We're going to talk on these past two games with emphasis, obviously, on the most recent one and talk about what we liked and what we need to see going forward. And um, <laughs> that's going to be it. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, this is episode 200 of BD4. I am your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to the podcast on YouTube. Maybe you're watching it. Or maybe you're listening to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, SoundCloud. And uh, we have many more platforms as well. Just go to my website, um, nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com to get that information. Um, and guys, we're going to get started. All right, we wasted enough of your time. So uh, let's head to break. And when we get back, we will get right into things. All right, BRB. So, really briefly, before we get back into things here, I just want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, to BD4, then you can go do that right now on my website. You can go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once again, in order to subscribe to this podcast, BD4, and if you want, Follow me on social media and subscribe to the blog that I write. Just go to my website. Go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Guys, thank you so much and let's get right back into it. All right. So again, not to waste too much time because game five against the Tampa Raptors 
uh, was pretty much one that nobody really wants to discuss. It was one of those games where, you know, just overall it was very forgettable. Um, but it happened, and so we have to do, you know, we do have to discuss a little bit. Um, so the Knicks take the 100-83 to loss. It was a defensive-minded game. Um, again, this is in Tampa Bay, remember, because Toronto, obviously due to the COVID situation over there, um, you know, Canada, we can't be playing over there just like the Blue Jays had to play in Buffalo. So this one takes place in Tampa, and there were some fans there, which was cool. Um, and it, the Knicks take on the, at the time, they were the winless Toronto Raptors 0-3. Um, and on top of that, they were without Pascal Siakam uh, due to disciplinary reasons. So heading into this game, you figured, all right, maybe the Knicks will pull one out here and sneak away with a W against a, a struggling Raptors squad. From the gate, <laughs> they, they just did not have it. Um, easy lanes, just just easy open lanes for Toronto. You know, nobody giving any effort into the uh, into the uh, paint defensively. Just open lanes and free throw attempts and and just. It just didn't look sharp at all on the Knicks end. But the real issue, you know, the Knicks finally picked it up defensively later. The real issue all game from the first minute to the final 48th minute was the fact that the Knicks couldn't find the bottom of the ocean if they tried to. I mean, they were just a, I can't even find the correct word, you know, repulsive from three-point distance going, this might have been an NBA record. Historically bad, I mean that. Three for 36 from three-point distance. <laughs> that is 8%, if you didn't know. Three for 36 from three-point distance, 8% um, by the end of the game. It was just really sad. Um, the starters, the starting five, they were 0 for 23. And if you don't know, that's 0%, guys. Um, there was a point in the game, I think it was like, you know, from the second to sometime in the third period, I want to say, where the Knicks were on a 0 for 20 streak from the arc. I think it was 0 for 20. If not, it might have been even worse, but they were missing shots, right? <laughs> um, it, it was really bad. Everybody but Kevin Knox and I think Austin Rivers, who returned, missed every three-pointer they took. Knox had 16 points on 14 shots. He was fine that game, right? He was aggressive. He was shooting a lot because obviously playing at home in his hometown in front of his parents who were there. So he wanted to show up and he did. He had a fine game. Um, but outside of him and Rivers, who looked pretty good, seven points, five assists, you know, creating, scoring and distributing a little bit, nobody could find the bottom of the net. Um, RJ Barrett in particular was just repulsive. Again, I don't even know what word to use. Um, egregious has become my favorite word <laughs> because it sounds like it's a really, um, it sounds like a very harsh word. And, and that's the word you need to use when they shoot three to 36. Um, Barrett went four for 19 overall, and he took eight three pointers to miss every one. He was really pathetic. Um, you know, he had 12 points. He did have eight rebounds and three assists. But when you shoot four of 19, there's not much positive you can say. He was very bad. And we're going to kind of dissect the way R.J. Barrett has been playing this year in a bit. We're going to talk about that after game six 
once we discuss game six, but he was bad. And like I said, everybody but Knox, Rivers, and maybe Julius Randle was pretty bad. Um, but Randle was good that game. He was, you know, he wasn't the same Randle that he's been, um, that he was up to game five. Uh, but he was still pretty effective. He was still the most effective Nick on the floor. Um, pretty sure he had a double-double, and he also had five assists. Um, but overall, man, it, it was a forgettable game. A 100-83 loss doesn't do it justice. I mean, they were even worse than that. They just... You can't ever shoot three for 36. But, you know, it, it was kind of expected to a degree heading into game five with the NBA's three-point um, percentage. Um, in the Knicks' favor. The Knicks were the number one team. Sorry, I worded that terribly. Uh, the Knicks headed into uh, New Year's Eve with the NBA's uh, highest three-point percentage. And so to go three for 36, I guess you could call that regressing to the mean, right? They were well, 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 you know, deviating from their norm. You know, they're not a league-leading three-point team. So uh, regression game, okay? Went from first to 13th in one night from three-point distance. <laughs> Just a terrible game. A game you want to forget about. Just and despite being in it because of their defense for the most, you know, for most of the game until the Raptors kind of pulled away with a fourth quarter where they outscored the Knicks by ten. Despite the defense keeping them in it, it wasn't a game you were excited about, right? It wasn't like it was a game where oh man, we're looking you know sharp. We we were looking terrible out there offensively. It wasn't even a game I would have been like proud of if the Knicks were to have pulled it out. It was just you can't. A 3-for-36, 8% night from, from the arc. You can't say anything positive about that night. Uh, so they take the loss, all right? But um, who cares? Because game uh, six tonight, Knicks-Pacers, part two in Indiana. The Knicks go out there and they pull away with the victory. The Knicks take the 106-102 to victory. And thank God we had a nice bounce back. We had a really good bounce back. Um, first of all, have you noticed, like, the vibes around this fan base, how must how drash how drastic the fucking vibes are when the Knicks win versus when they lose. I mean, it is so bipolar. <laughs> like when they were losing, when they lost on uh, New Year's Eve, everybody you know, RJ's a bust. Robinson has zero offense, and those two questions are, are you can you can make a, a case you know for being concerned about those two. But, like, the Knicks have no no chance to be decent again. And then we get a win like this, and everyone's like, oh, you know what? Tom Thibodeau is the right guy for the job. Leon Rose seems to have a plan here. The Knicks know what they're doing. They're going in the right... It's so funny to see the tone change so much. And I guess that's the epitome of, of the New York fan base, right? That's who we are. We are so hot and cold like that. You know, we treat Eli Manning like that. We did that to Carmelo Anthony. We were like that with Odell Beckham, Porzinga. Everybody... You know, all the New York stars and the big New York teams are always treated bipolar in a bipolar fashion. Um, but it's just, I, I find that funny with the Knicks. You know, it's such a difference in just a couple of games. We, we lose to the Raptors. Everybody's flipping out. But uh, now tonight we pick up a win and it looks like we have a bright future. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but no, it was a good win against the Pacers. Um, and you look at the, the, the Knicks so far. 3-3 three and three against the schedule, you know, Consisting mostly of playoff contenders from last year, right? They beat the Bucks um, the second time they beat the Pacers, and so if you look at their six games, five of those teams um, were against playoff contenders from last season, right? The Cavs being the only one who um, obviously aren't in the playoffs, weren't in the playoffs last year, but everybody else 
you know, so they said they've had a tough schedule and they've gotten the job done to be three and three at this point. You have to be somewhat proud of them, right? It's not a good record. It's nothing crazy, but they're now looking like a normal, you know, it's going to sound weird, but your average bad basketball team, right? <laughs> it's not like they're an unwatchable product now. It looks like they're going to play hard every night. It looks like they have some kind of camaraderie. So you want to see where it goes. So against the Pacers kind of freezing up here hold on hold on hold on um are we good now we're good all right hold on are we good sorry i had to pause it for a second we were kind of getting a freeze it was like crashing on us but we're good i think um, but against the Pacers, again, another game where the Knicks are at least fighting hard. And here it was, you know, out of the gate, um, it was very competitive. Um, it was an effort game, right? It was a straight-up Tibbs game, another one of those Tom Thibodeau-type performances, straight-up grit and effort. Um, but out of the gate, it's competitive. The Knicks have a tough time containing Malcolm Brogdon, obviously his first year in Indiana after being successful with Milwaukee. And he comes out shooting the ball. He's 4-4 from three-point distance in the first period. Um, but the Knicks kind of counter, you know, in their own ways. They have guys chipping in, and everybody looks pretty uh, pretty solid. And, you know, so the teams pretty much keep it about even for the first quarter. Second quarter, more of the same. Competitive game going into halftime. Knicks have a slim lead. Um, and then the third quarter comes. You know, the Knicks go on a 16-5 run out of the gate. Uh, Randall, Peyton, Bullock. Are the three who contributed to that 16 to 5 run? Yay. <laughs> um, that's the start of the second half. And that gives them a 10 point lead, their first double figure lead for either team. But then the Pacers respond right away. They get an 8 to 0, oh, 8 8 nothing run to follow that run by the Knicks. You know, they pull within two. A pair of threes, Brogdon, uh, Turner. And the Turner gets a layup. So they come, <laughs> they come within two. But then Alfred Payton responds, and, and you're probably never going to see this again, but he gets two consecutive and ones, and he converts on both of them. And uh, the Knicks go up by seven. Um, and then I think it's Malcolm Brogdon and Barrett trading three-pointers on two separate occasions. So that was interesting. And the team, again, the third quarter, pretty much more the same. The teams keep trading buckets. It's very exciting. And they go into the fourth tied at 82. Okay. Um, fourth quarter starts, Julius Randle, you know, a minute and a half, maybe into the period, hits a three-pointer. Right in response, Holiday comes and hits a three-pointer back. In response, it's Austin Rivers drilling a three-pointer. It's a really exciting game. It's a lot of offense, a lot of three-point shooting, a very modernized game tonight. Um, and it gets really, really exciting late. You know, when, when Bullock's, uh, Bullock's, Bullock checks out and Tom Thibodeau makes a really smart move by plugging him out, uh, plugging in Rivers in his spot. That's what Knicks fans want to see, hopefully, to start the games, too. But Rivers comes in, and he, he proves to be so clutch here. Um, he comes in, and, and after a timeout, he hits a triple to put the Knicks up by two with 321 left. Big shot there. Um, this is followed up by a, a clutch uh, sequence by Randall where he gets the steal and slam on uh, Malcolm Brogdon. So he puts the Knicks up. Randall does 100-96 with about a minute and a half. Um, to follow that right away, 
Malcolm Brogdon gets blocked by Mitchell Robinson on a three-point attempt. Mitch gets the rebound, tosses it to Peyton. Peyton tosses it to Rivers on the break. Rivers lays it in, and the Knicks take the 102-96 lead. Um, and that's pretty much it. R.J. Barrett would steal it with um, two trips to the line, hitting all four free throws. And um, that was it. That was your great all-around performance where the Knicks took the 102 um, was it 106 to 102 victory I have here written down. Um, it was a good performance, man. It was just one of those uh, greater all-around performances of the season. Maybe their most exciting win of the year. But you could debate. And it's kind of a good thing, right, that we can debate about which win was the most exciting win of the season. That means we're actually having a competent start to the year. <laughs> so it was a great all-around performance. Um you know, I think the big key in this game was the Knicks taking the paint away from Indiana. Um, Indiana's a team known for dominating down low. They came into the night leading the NBA in points per game in the painted area. Uh, but the Knicks took that away from them. The Knicks had 30 more points in the paint, 56 to 26. Um, and they also had 19 more rebounds tonight, 51 to 32. So they dominated the paint, the glass, and um, the presence of Robinson, Noel, and, and Randall down low really proved to be beneficial defensively. Uh, but the Knicks also took it outside and shot the ball pretty well. You know, after going a future eight percent, they bounced back with forty-four percent, twelve out of twenty-seven. So that was finally good to see um, them kind of get back up there. Um, it was just a really strong game uh, defensively. Again, you have the energy, the intensity, and that Tom Thibodeau grit out there. All right. Um, now, if we go individually here. Let's discuss some of the performances. Um, I, I guess we'll have to start with R.J. Barrett, right? Because after being so inconsistent to start the year, you know, he faces Indiana for a second time and he becomes Reggie Miller all of a sudden. You know, the Knicks version of Reggie Miller, R.J. the Pacer killer, you know. Um, after dropping 26 on them in the opener on efficient shooting, he comes out and does 25 on 8 of 15. Goes 4 for 5 from 3-point distance and 5 for 6 from the stripe. Continues to shoot well from the free throw line and a nice bounce back from the 3-point distance as well. And again, getting to the rim and finishing at the um, in the restricted area. So 25 points for RJ, 5 rebounds and 3 assists tonight. He plays really good. Um, but I think in order to get this guy to remain consistent... <sighs> It's tough because a lot of it you can put on him, right? At some point, you just have to put it on the player. He has to start making shots, period. But I think while we're waiting for him to, to kind of show us some consistency, the, consist the, the the key here is just to keep involving him. You have to feature him as your, your guy of the future, right? If we drafted him in number three and we're really taking his development seriously, we have to start developing him. We can't just say we are and then not really do that, right? I mean, if R.J. Barrett's developing here, he's got to be involved more. And I just feel like if we're going to continue to go the route of what we're doing right now and kind of treating him, as, you know, putting him in a role that doesn't suit him a lot as this catch-and-shoot guy, this, this floor-spacing wing, we're going to go waste another season here uh, of, you know, kind of hindering his development. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to treat him as some floor spacer. That's not who he is. He's not supposed to... You know, you watch these games and a lot of possessions. You see him, you know, we're, we're tucking him 
we're hiding him on the wing in the corner, just standing there, stationary, just just taking threes at times. And he, he took eight three-pointers. Again, eight threes were taken from RJ on New Year's Eve. He should never be a guy that's taking eight threes. You know, he wasn't drafted because of his shooting. We knew his shooting was going to be a struggle. But, you know, he was drafted to be, you know, this potential ball handler, this playmaker, this slasher, right? So just to have Peyton and Randall take more of the ball handling roles, it's kind of ridiculous for anybody to support that, for RJ have to sit through that, right? We, we, we just, even tonight, you know, there's too many possession, possessions where you're getting Randall and Peyton touching the ball and nobody else. Too much of that, and it happens too much. And even when RJ gets, you know, the ball handling role in certain possessions, it's, you know, he's surrounded with Peyton on the wing, Okay, that's not a promising complimentary piece. You got Randall at the top of the key, Mitch in the restricted area, and a packed paint, right? With, with non-shooters around him if you're going to continue to start Peyton. Um, so, you know, the lack of spacing and the packed paint kind of makes no sense, right? It makes it more difficult for RJ to thrive in, in you know, the only area where he's really great in right now, down low. So I think in order to get his efficiency to be more consistent and, you know, for him to shoot the ball better than four for friggin' 18 and 0 for 8 and all that, we just have to optimize his potential. And to do that, we have to minimize his weaknesses, right? Put the right pieces around him. You can see he gets frustrated at times. The body language shows. Last year we saw, you know, him kind of feud without feuding with Julius Randle. Um, but, you know, sometimes you could see it here. You know, the body language, he... Sometimes he'll just rush his shots because you could tell he, he knows he's not going to get them um, in the right spots throughout a game. But, you know, I understand a lot of it is roster, roster construct, right? This team has a very clunky roster again. But, you know, I do want to see, hopefully, now that Quickly is back, now that Rivers is back, and hopefully with Burks on the horizon... You start to see Tom Thibodeau playing RJ with those guys, right? With floor spacers, actual floor spacers to surround RJ with. So the paint isn't just packed tight all the time. It's more of an open lane for RJ Barrett, right? He gets his driving lanes opening up. Um, so <laughs> that's what you hope Tom Thibodeau eventually does. You know, I don't think Peyton's going to last as this guy who's dropping 15 plus points and shooting well. I, that's not, it's probably not going to last, let's be honest there. So eventually I want to see quickly take that point guard role um, and, and, you know, Rivers or Burks get the two spot over Bullock. Um, but, you know, this is just one of the more reasons that we have to, it's going to be tough to say, but I just, I, Randall is not here long term, right? He Having him here, you know, as the number one guy just forces Barrett to hide in the corner. And spot up while the offense is ran for Julius and Alfred. It's just, I'm not here to see that. I, I don't know. You know, I'm thankful that Quickly is back though, right? I just hope he pulls the trigger soon. And I want to get to Randall a little later. I kind of want to talk about, you know, some other guys who perform well tonight before we talk about Randall and his future here a little bit. So I guess we'll save that for, for the final point here. Uh, but I also have on my notes, I have that Emmanuel Quickly. Tonight he goes for nine points in his return. Right after playing just 12 minutes against Indiana in the opener, he comes back tonight and he gets, I think it was 17 minutes or 15 minutes or something. Uh, but he goes for nine points, shoots the ball three for four, and goes one for two from both the arc and the free throw stripe. Um, 
again, we see with what, what we've been seeing with, with quickly. You know, in the preseason, we saw it. In the opener for the dozen minutes he played, we saw it. It's the hustle. You know, it's it's the the master at drawing. He is so good at drawing fouls. And you hope that that becomes one of his things. You know, that he's very Lou Williams-esque in that aspect. Um, people are going to hate The league is going to fucking hate this guy. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. They're going to hate him if he's going to be one of those guys who gets those bailout fouls. You know, if he starts getting those veteran whistles, hey, man, watch out for quickly. Uh, but he's very, very adept already at getting guys off their feet on the jump shot. Um, but you you could just see when this guy's on the floor, he's facilitating, he's getting to the paint, he shoots it well, he has a you know a high tempo pace to his game. The energy is so much different when Emmanuel quickly takes the lead guard position than when Alfred Payton takes it, right? And again, Payton's playing well this year, okay? He had a rough, rough start. Right now he's hitting a hot spot. Though. I really think this is a hot spot. I don't think this is Payton at his norm. Um, eventually he's going to regress, and I think eventually we have to go with a younger, more athletic, more exciting player with an upside like Emmanuel Quickly. Um, he just benefits everybody else. He makes the Knicks more fun, more efficient, right? He's a point guard that gets everybody involved, not just Julius Randle. Um, so he came back and he played well tonight. Austin Rivers, in his second game back, really dis displayed some good offense and good defense. 15 points in 17 minutes for Rivers. He goes 6 for 9. Um, hits half of his six three-point attempts. And again, played a really hard defense too. So, got to give him credit. He's becoming a fan favorite already. I could tell. Knicks fans like his optimism. He's said nothing but positive things about NYC since coming here. Um, obviously, there was the Instagram comment he made after the loss on New Year's Eve. Um, but, you know, talk is cheap. Um we know that, but he's playing well. He's backing it up at the moment. He's scoring points. He's providing what Knicks fans were hoping he would provide them with in scoring, you know, spacing, and, and some energy there. So it's good to see Rivers play well. Um, again, some kind of combo between Quickly and Burks or Rivers at the 1-2 would be huge, right, to start alongside R.J. Barrett. So hopefully we get that soon. Um, also, what else do I have here? Reggie Bullock sucks ass. We know that. Six points tonight, two for six, 33 minutes. I loved again that he was taken out of the game and uh, Tom Thibodeau plugged Rivers in for him later and he hits those big shots. So that was fun. But yeah, I mean, Bullock, he's got to sit along with Peyton, right? It's just as rough with him. He was brought here to be this consistent sharpshooter and he's been nothing but an inconsistent shooter since coming. Um, Kevin Knox tonight, zero points. Following up a 16-point performance in Tampa Bay, he goes out and drops zero. He's inconsistent. we got to see some consistency there. Uh, Mitchell Robinson had a nice bounce back, right, after a pretty mediocre game against Toronto uh, where he only blocked, well, he blocked no shots and he only scored four points. Um, he comes out there and he scores 16 points um, along with nine rebounds, six of them offensively. Uh, two blocks. He goes 8 for 10 from the floor. And he played, again, that, that big block late. Played some clutch defense. Um, but like it is with RJ, for Mitch, you just got to remain consistent, right? For him to do that in the long run, you got to build some strength. He's got to build muscle. He's very skinny still, um, you know, in order to improve that defensive rebounding and traffic. Um, got to hit the gym. Um, offensively, he's got to start being more consistent. Can't have these games where he's scoring four points anymore. Um, 16 points should be more of a norm, you know, than, than a, a high, 
right? It was a season high tonight. Eventually, he's going to have to learn some O, right? And learn a move. You know, develop a hook shot, maybe a mid-range. Doesn't have to be a three-pointer. I know everybody was hoping he'd start shooting threes. Doesn't even have to be that. You know, maybe something in the post. Got to develop some kind of offensive move aside from, you know, rudimentary, basic rim running, right? Um, screen and roll. You know, he's got to have something to where he can create for, him, uh, for himself. Um, back to Julius Randle, right? Yeah, back to Julius Randle. And I understand, like, a lot of the the issues, you know, with Barrett and Mitch are with, with having a lack of a point guard, right? But again, like I, like I said, it, it comes back to them just having to do something themselves. It, it's You can't just throw the blame entirely on everything else, right? You have to, they have to take some kind of accountability as well. And I'm sure they are. But we need to see some consistency from them. Um, in order for them to get that consistency, it would help if we, you know, surrounded them with better pieces, yes. But at some point, we're going to have to start putting the blame on them a little bit. And so we need to start seeing more consistency, more lights like more nights like tonight from RJ, from Mitch. All right. Um, Randall, let's talk really briefly about Randall because we're almost done. We'll wrap this thing up in about 10, maybe 10 minutes. But um, Julius Randall, um, tonight, you know, good team play, right? Uh, but, you know, last couple games, he's kind of coming back down to earth. And tonight, 5 out of 16 from the floor. But remember, this is what I mentioned. This is what I was talking about, how I want to see what Randall is like when his shots stop falling, right? Because he was on fire in the first four games to start the year. Okay, four games. Um, he was on fire, though, right? He Nothing was missing. Everything was falling. He was, you know, excuse me, practically LeBron James out there for the Knicks. Um, but I said, you know, I want to see what he's like when those shots don't fall, when he hits his first rough patch offensively, which he is right now, what is, how does he respond? Does he continue to force those shots and try to get his own like he's done so often, right? Or does he continue to pass out of them? And tonight we saw him pass out of them. So we saw a good positive sign here when Julius Randle is struggling. What does he do? Well, tonight they weren't falling and he didn't force it. He was kicking them out. He had eight assists by the end of the night. So that was a positive, right? And he played good defense. He really did good on Sabonis, right? After opening night where he was just going nuts on Randall, he held him to 13 points. Sabonis is averaging, what, 23 points this year? 10 less than his average tonight. Um, so Randall goes out there, doesn't shoot well, but picks up a double-double, uh, 11 rebounds, and has eight assists. So it was good to see him kind of play team basketball tonight. So that's hopefully, again, something that remains with Tom Thibodeau as your head coach. That's hopefully the Tom Thibodeau effect. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, eventually he's, you know, if he keeps playing at, at this level, his trade value is going to skyrocket. All right. And I shouldn't have to say it. I don't want to say it, but here I go. <laughs> you know, and this is considering RJ Barrett. So, so what I'm about to say here. This is in a scenario where R.J. Barrett continues to look like the future cornerstone. Okay, so so play this out with that in mind. So if R.J. continues to improve and he shows consistency and he doesn't have these flip-flop nights like he's had so far this year, if R.J. is showing signs of being our franchise guy, I think we're going to eventually have to trade Randall. If you want to build around Barrett and he's playing well at the de you know throughout the deadline and Randall's playing well throughout the deadline... 
you have to take a good hard look here at what you're really trying to develop. Are you trying to pick up wins right now and maybe French contend, although it might not work, and, and you know end the season you know with a mediocre record just missing out on the playoffs? You know, do you risk not trading him and keeping him the entire season and trading him, you know, in the offseason when his value is lower, possibly? Or do you trade him when his value is at absolute peak? You know, when he's playing really well, do you trade him at the deadline for a first rounder, right? And to remind you, this draft class coming up is stacked. It is not like this recent, uh, this recent class. So... You know, I think in, a, in order to really get a true sense of what the Knicks are going to do here, we just have to see where they are in terms of their win-loss record, where certain players are in terms of development. But you look at it, and it's, it's kind of, you know, you're going to eventually have to trade them. You're developing, you drafted Obi Toppin, guys. All right, the Knicks drafted Toppin at 8. They didn't draft him at 8 to be a 20-minute guy off the bench. No, the Knicks drafted Obi Toppin so he could eventually be their power forward of the future. Okay, so eventually, you know, it may not be this year, Obi Toppin is going to have to develop as a starter, right? Eventually, he's going to have to get more minutes and find some starts. Um, maybe that's next year, but, you know, again, eventually it's going to have to happen. We drafted him to be, you know, we're, we're hoping he eventually becomes our all-star guy at the four position. So if that's going to happen... You can't have Randall on the roster, right? They're sh they sure as shit aren't playing together, okay? Neither of them can slide up at the five. You have Mitch there anyways. Um, you know, the small ball five shit ain't working. You can only do that for stretches. But, you know, considering Mitch gets his extension, he's at the five. Um, and you're only going to have room for one of them at the four. And none of them are sliding down to the three either. None of them are playing defense on the wing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Toppin's feet are like cement already. Randall's got his issues with ball watching. None of them are quick enough defensively to play the three full time. So they're not playing together. And not to mention offensively, you have a three, four, five of Toppin, Randall, and, and Mitch. That paint is going to be terribly crowded for RJ Barrett. And like we said, he needs open lanes. So there's really no spot for Randall long term if. Like I said, RJ continues to improve and Toppin continues to look like the guy we want him to be. Um, but again, a lot has to happen to see to really get some legitimate answers. So right now it's a waiting game. Right now we have to see what happens from here to the deadline. So that's kind of my whole take on this thing. I understand both sides, but ultimately I think eventually we will have to find a deal here. And I think if we're going to trade Randall, you may as well trade him when his value is at its highest, right? It's going to hurt to bite the bullet a bit on contending this year, but I don't think the Knicks are going to keep this 3-3 three and three play up anyway. I don't think they're going to be, you know, an unwatchable product. I think Thibodeau might be able to fix that, but I, I don't think they're going to be, you know, 6-6, six and 12-12, six, 20-20, and 12, 20 and 20, whatever it is by the deadline. I think eventually they're going to fall back to earth to an extent, and they're going to have to find a way to trade Randall, kind of like they were doing with Morris, right? So that's my take there. But guys, the Knicks are playing well right now. Let's enjoy it. Let's try not to get too far uh, ahead of ourselves like I just did. <laughs> so to, to, to stay in the moment, we're 3-3, three and three, six games in, playing a bunch of contenders, beat the shit out of the Bucks, gritty wins against other teams, tonight against the Pacers, and things are looking up. Things are looking really up. RJ Barrett, you hope that he can continue to build off of games like this and, and find some consistency. You hope that Mitchell Robinson can find some consistency. 
and gave you these 16 and 10 games more often. You hope that Kevin Knox can have some more consistency from beyond the arc. You hope that Emmanuel quickly stays healthy now. And boy, I can't wait to see him play, man. I'm so thrilled. That's probably the one thing I'm most excited with is to have quickly and Rivers back and Burks on the horizon. That's going to be such a big upgrade in terms of their spacing, guys. Oh, my gosh. Like, the Knicks spacing right now, it, yeah, Peyton shooting the ball well. But eventually, when he regresses to his mean, when he comes back down to earth, you're going to have to plug quickly in there. And I think you give him 25, 30 minutes in manual quickly, I think he'll do just fine. You know, I don't think he's going to be preseason quick sanity like he was, but I still think he can he might be able to go out there and give you 10 points off the bench or, or as a starter, um, maybe four or five assists. And again, just provide floor spacing, athleticism, you know, a high tempo pace and just some energy. When the youths are taking the floor, it's fun. Nobody wants to watch these veteran placeholders just playing for a contract, right? It's not exciting. If we're going to rebuild, we need to rebuild and do it properly. So I think given quickly the minutes, um, and, and, you know, finding a combination, again, Rivers is no young kid to build around, but neither is Burks, but finding a combination between comp competing, but doing so with the youth getting the bulk of the minutes. So I would not mind quickly one of Rivers or Burks, you know, as long as we keep pressing the youth here. You still have quickly starting, you'll have RJ at the three, you'll have eventually the OB Toppin will be back, and then Mitch at the five. So you're still getting a lot of kids getting the uh, getting the minutes here so uh, you know it's fine you know plug someone plug a vet in you know to play the two that's fine because you have other guys getting really good um burn here too so hey i like what tom thibodeau has done i really didn't think you know my biggest concern um when the knicks first hired him i was worried about player development and how the youth would be and again it's early still six games in but Hey, he, the kids are playing well, and he's rewarding them with minutes, all right? He runs a tight rotation, you know, eight, nine guys maybe on a regular basis. It's very tight. You're going to see a lot of 40-plus-minute games in the box scores. But um, I have no problem with that as long as it's, again, we keep running the kids out there. You know, let them play. I'm all for it. And if they keep playing well, he's going to reward them. Guys know their spot on this team. They know how to maintain that spot. They know what to do, what not to do in order to keep getting playing time. So that's what you love about a disciplinarian like Tom Thibodeau. So guys, that's it. That's all we've got. I hope I didn't rush through this one. I hope you guys understood what I was saying. Sometimes I feel like I rush, but that's pretty much all we've got for this one. Knicks Pacers, Knicks Raptors. We discussed both of those games and things are looking pretty positive at the moment. I don't expect this to be a constant theme of the season. I, I do think we're going to eventually lose more games than we win, but right now you have to be, um, I'm trying to find out what the right word. You have to be satisfied with how the Knicks look six games in. So let's get to the question of the day and we'll wrap this up. All right, so last time out in um, 
episode 199. Episode 199, I asked you guys a question. Um, let's get to it real quick. I asked you guys... Oh, who was the longest tenured Nick head coach? All right, so that was our question of the day, our NYY, NYK question of the day for episode 199. Who was the longest tenured Nick head coach? The answer to that question is Red Holtzman. I actually had to look that one up. I thought it was Jeff Van Gundy for some reason, but it wasn't. It's Red Holtzman who, again, won them their first title. Um, so that was the answer to 199. Tonight's question, tonight's NYY, NYK question of the day here on Saturday, January 2nd, as I'm recording. Um, I am asking you, which Nick had the number 15 retired back in 1986? All right. Name that Nick. All right. So one more time, which Nick had his number 15 retired back in 1986? <coughs> 1986. All right. 1986. That's a long time ago. Shit. <laughs> All right, guys. So thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, message me the answer, comment the answer once I publish the podcast. You know where to reach me, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Find my website on nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. There you can subscribe to the blog, the many platforms of the podcast, and where uh, find where to follow me on social media. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Once again, I am your host, RJ Carbone, with episode 200. Episode 200 of the podcast, The Knicks Stay Strong. You are listening or watching BD4. And I, RJ Carbone, am your host, and I'm signing out. Guys, I'll see you next time. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.